Welcome to Waco Watch, the podcast. I am Dewana McCray, and I'm here with Mike Tomasulu and Danielle Williams to talk about the second trial in the VLSI versus Intel case. Now, as you all know, in this trial, VLSI is seeking over $1 billion in damages from Intel for Intel's alleged infringement of two patents. Danielle, what happened today during trial? Today, the jury heard from VLSI's last witness, Dr. Ryan Sullivan, who is the damages expert. And after VLSI rested, Intel presented its first two witnesses, uh, two Intel engineers, Mr. Douglas, who worked on Fiverr, uh, which is uh, the technology accused uh, of infringing the 187 patent, and Dan Burkowski, uh, who worked on uh, the technology accused of infringing the 522 patent. Danielle, we know that the damages in the last case was over $2 billion. Um, I gather that Dr. Sullivan alleges that the damages will be in excess of $3 billion. Um, how did he reach this conclusion? Dr. Sullivan presented uh, the, the damages case for VLSI and similar to his presentation in the first trial, he relied on the hedonic regression approach in this case too. He looked at the power benefit that Dr. Anavaram testified to yesterday, so the 5.87%, and then multiplied that against 0.764 to get to 1.99 billion, and then determined that the infringing revenue from the performance benefit was 2.14% times 0.764, and that got to $729 million. And then for the 522 patent, he followed the same formula that we saw before. So it was 4.25% times the 0.764 price benefit based on clock speed and got to a $1.24 billion number. And so if we add all of those together, we get to about $4 billion in additional revenue that Dr. Sullivan attributed to the benefits associated with the inventions and the two patents. Okay, so Danielle, based on Dr. Sullivan's testimony, it totals up to $4 billion in additional revenue for Intel. How did he get to the $3 billion number? Similar to what we saw in the last case, he looked at Intel's contributions to the success of the product. Uh, he looked at the spending on sales, marketing, R&D, things like that, and then looked at what the share should be to each party. He ended up splitting roughly 20 to 23% for Intel across the two patents, and then 77 to 79% for BLSI. And that's how he got to the $3 billion number for VLSI. That would be their portion of the $4 billion number that is due to the innovations in the patents under VLSI's theory of the case. On cross-examination, how did Intel respond to Dr. Sullivan's figures? Well, uh, several ways. I think, you know, first on, on observation, Dr. Sullivan, they're doing what they did in the last case because in the last case it worked. But 
he has not really paid any fealty to the Georgia Pacific factors. His, his analysis isn't really uh, the kind of analysis that we see sometimes where someone goes through all 11 of the factors. He didn't do that. He just advanced his particular thesis uh, that you know he could determine the additional revenues that Intel supposedly made, and he really ignored the Georgia Pacific factors you know, as, as a whole. And so in cross-examination, Intel's lawyer, Bill Lee, took him through the Georgia Pacific factors. And for instance, you know, he pointed out that one of the Georgia Pacific factors is what use has the licensor, which in this case would have been Freescale, made of the patents in terms of its own products. And he pointed out that Dr. Sullivan hadn't identified any Freescale or any NXP products that embodied the patents. That's a Georgia Pacific factor. He pointed out that the Georgia Pacific factors call for an evaluation of comparable licenses. And he pointed out that Dr. Sullivan hadn't done that at all either. And the big argument that they made, which is a different argument that they made in the first case, was that patents have a value. Patents are bought and sold all the time. They're like they're like cars and they have a value. And in this case, the patents have transacted and changed hands in several transactions and they have a knowable value or at least a range of values that's wildly out of step with the $3 billion that uh, VLSI is seeking in the case. So for instance, he said, look, Sigmatel originated the patents. Sigmatel was then bought in its entirety for $115 million by NXP in 2008, which was just, just two years before the hypothetical negotiation would have occurred according to Dr. Sullivan. And he said, so, and in that transaction, or as a result of that transaction, NXP then valued all of the Sigmatel IP at $7 million. And so Intel was trying to urge the jurors to think about these real world transactions. Mr. Lee also went through the transaction by which VLSI acquired the patents from NXP. And now while that was under seal, the gist of it seemed to be that VLSI had paid not more than $3 million plus a back-end deal with NXP if VLSI ever makes any money, that some of that's going to go to NXP. And so he's, you know, one of the things that Mr. Lee said was, look, nobody has ever valued these patents at anything more than $3 million. And now if Intel had just bought the patents for $3, $3 million, it could have done anything it wanted with them. And now you say they're worth $3 billion. And so that was the argument that was different than the last time that seemed to be a change in plans for Intel. And that was sort of the main thesis of, 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 of a lot of their arguments. And I would say the last point that he made was that, uh, it was a finer point, but he said there, that Dr. Sullivan had done his own analysis incorrectly. He had included features that were not accused of infringement and that basically Dr. Sullivan botched his own analysis. Interesting. So, Daniela and Mike, what are the implications from the party's positions today? Well, for damages, uh, it will be interesting to see what gains traction with the jury, both sides have presented uh, their perspectives on what the value should be of the inventions here. One is based on the benchmark studies that Intel uses, and the other is based on market rates. And we'll we'll hear from Mr. Houston uh, either tomorrow, but most likely on Monday, you know what what that looks like. But 
it'll be interesting to see whether the jury goes with the value as uh, calculated by VLSI, Intel has gained from the use of the invention versus the market rate for the patents overall. From my perspective, I, I think at sort of a macro level, this is something that happens in a lot of patent cases. Unless you're the original owner of the patent, the patent has changed hands maybe multiple times. And Intel is sort of staking a big part of its position on the fact that the jury could say, I get that the patents have been bought and sold several times and that if an Intel had just acquired those patents, it, would have been, it wouldn't be here. Could have, so if it could have bought the patents for 3 million bucks, it wouldn't be here. And so it'll be interesting to me to see if that argument and the way it's been uh, you know, deployed in this case gains any traction. And then the other thing that's interesting to me is I think that this case, I won't say is unique, but I think that there's an interesting aspect of it that the entirety of the infringement allegations are directed to a specific part of the of the chip, this fiber, the, the fully integrated voltage regulator. And Intel's documents, at least according to VLSI, show that the, the fiber was a you know a big driver of the product success that's what vlsi says but it's at least an understandable thing to say you know this thing that has a distinct name the fiber is a distinct name that that's what you know is driving the revenue and the jury can probably understand that and that's not necessarily so common to have you know your apportionment argument be basically given its own name by by the uh defendant itself so thanks, Danielle. Thanks, Mike. I look forward to hearing about the remainder of Intel's case in chief, as well as just the party's testimony during the remaining days of the trial. And to the listeners, please tune in next time. Thanks, all.